It's Monday, August 6, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Bogota, Colombia. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book Basic Christianity by John Stott. Blake Wilson, our Vice President of Operations, will be leading us through Chapter 4, The Resurrection of Christ. Thank you, Herbie, for having me back once again. I'm excited just to look into Chapter 4 of this book with our staff. It's Basic Christianity by John Stott. And today we're looking at Chapter 4, and it's all about the resurrection of Christ and the evidence of the resurrection. And if you guys remember, not too long ago, our staff at Lifeline just finished a study on the book of Luke. And I had the privilege of actually looking at Luke chapter 24, the resurrection, during that study. And now, once again, I had the opportunity to look through it um, as we study John Stott's book. So I can't help but think, what is the Lord teaching me through this that I've had the chance to study Luke chapter 24 twice within the past few months? And I would say... The word that keeps sticking out to me that is impacting me and my family directly is just the word remember. Um, Because I can tell you, as a believer, I often forget the power of the resurrection and remembering who Jesus is, what he's done for me, and ultimately that he is in control. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what is at hand, the Lord has me in the palm of his hand. And if that is where I am, that is the best place to be, regardless of what I may see directly in front of me um, and the hopelessness that I may feel, but just to stop and remember and reflect of who he is um, and what he has done for me. And that those are the words that just continue to ring throughout this passage as I study it and look back on some of the feelings that probably the uh, the women that that went to the tomb that early morning were experiencing, that Jesus's disciples were experiencing um, after seeing him crucified on that cross, and then going to the tomb and seeing that his body wasn't there, um, and the uh, all the emotion that that was encompassing that moment. Was, was, I'm sure, over overwhelming. And they were reminded throughout the scriptures we're going to look at today of just rem- remember, you knew this was coming. Remember, you knew this were coming. You knew um, that this had to happen. So just stop and remember that the Lord has resurrected from the grave and he is now um, among us. So John Stott in this, in this book really breaks it down into four different um, examples of the evidence of the resurrection. And the first one that he points out to us in this study is that the body was gone. Um, those are things that, that ultimately should point to his resurrection, that they saw him crucified on a cross, um, and then three days later his body was gone from the tomb. So, of, of course, of, of, he points out some different debates in this passage, and a couple of those um, revolve around somebody stealing the body, from the thief stealing the body, the disciples removing his body, maybe even the Roman authorities taking the body into their custody. Um, but, but a couple of the other ones were that the women actually went to the wrong tomb um, or that Jesus never really even died, that he was just in a coma and um, 
just just walked out of the tomb physically. So all of these things were um, were debates that people have tried to prove um, of why the body was gone. But he points out on page 69, just a, a, a summarization of this, that says these are the theories that have been invented um, or tried to explain the emptiness of the tomb and the disappearance of the body. But none of them are satisfactory. None of them can be backed up by historical evidence since there is no adequate alternative explanation. Is this not entirely reasonable to prefer the uncomplicated and unrestrained account we find in the Gospels? Setting out the events for the first Easter day, the body of Jesus was not removed by people. It was raised by God. So those are, those are the, the challenges that John Stott gives us, but ultimately it's just to embrace the gospel, embrace the truth on the pages that we have read um, and studied in the gospels of Jesus' resurrection. The body was gone because Jesus rose from the grave. So let us embrace that truth. Um, and it is and it's highlighted in Luke chapter 24. So I'm going to read a few verses from this just to recount um, the happenings of that early morning when Jesus rose from the grave. And it says in Luke chapter 24, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you, while you were still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day and rise. And they remembered his words, and and returning to the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose, and he ran to the tomb. Stooping in, looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home, marveling at what had happened. I want to look back at verse number 6 and the reminder that the angels gave these ladies that early morning at the tomb. He said, He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you. Remember how he told you. You see, these women should have known. Jesus told them while they were in Galilee what was to happen, that he would be handed over into the hands of the authorities and that he would be crucified. And then on the third day, he would rise. These are all things that they knew. But in that moment of panic, in that moment of emotion, they forgot. And these angels were there to say, slow down. Remember this. This is what he told you would happen. He is going to rise. He did rise from the grave. So I just was challenged by this, and I challenge you guys to remember in those moments of heartache, in those moments of doubt, um, when you don't see how the Lord is going to turn a situation around, remember the Scripture. Remember that He is, um, that he is our Father, that He has risen from the grave. 
and that he is in control. I had them. I had a, a great opportunity this weekend just to meet a family who adopted a little girl um, out of our ministry uh, who was um, attending one of our camps that we held about two years ago. And this little girl, my family and I had some time to spend with her over the week that she was at camp, um, just in doing normal things in preparation for the day, um, you know, helping her get ready for the day, helping her um, get bathed, helping her get uh, her pajamas on, and helping her get uh, food in her little belly, and just the normal interactions that sometimes we take for granted that to this little girl were just extremely challenging. And and through the the amount of time we had to spend with this little girl, um, my children, my wife just grew attached to her and just she became part of um, a prayer for our family. So my girls would always check on the status of this little girl. Have you heard about her? Have you heard about her? Where is she? Did she find a family? So um, the beautiful part of this story is that this little girl did find a family, and I had the chance to meet her family this weekend um, and to get an update, to see pictures and videos of how this little girl's life has been transformed by the love of a family that is displaying the love of Christ through their interactions with her. And this one little girl who seemed lifeless, who um, just had no joy in her face, who was... um, physically weak and scared to death of water and scared to death of physical touch is now with a family who um, showed me pictures of her playing in in the ocean, um, who showed me pictures of her hugging her brothers and sisters and hugging her parents and just was completely transformed. And that, those pictures and that interaction with that family was just a reminder to me of this is why we do what we do as a ministry, that we serve the vulnerable, that we help the hurting in a hope that they can one day learn about the saving grace of Jesus Christ, to remember that it's not us, but to remember that it's the prayers. And those are the things that I was able to talk talk to my children about, that remember how we prayed for this little girl? She has now found a family. She now has the opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. So to not give up on those kids who who we think are hopeless, those kids who we think don't have a future, but to bring them before the Father and to remember that He is our risen Father and that He has a plan and a purpose for these kids' lives. So John Stott continues to move move through chapter 4, and this, the second thing he points out for us is just that the, the grave clothes were undisturbed. Um, if you read John chapter, the latter part of John chapter 19 and on into John chapter 20, um, you can find more detail about the, the grave clothes. But just a, a, a few scriptures that I want to point out in, in John 20, um, verse number 6, he says, Then Simon Peter came following him, which was John, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes laying there, the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and he believed. For as they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead, then the disciples went back to their homes." The evidence in this particular example is just um, how the grave clothes were, were lying there, how Jesus had risen from 
from the dead and the cloth that were surrounding his his dead body were still lying there and Jesus had risen from the grave um, and if you read through John chapter 19 and you see all of the preparation and the 75 pounds of spices and cloths that were wrapping Jesus's dead body were still there but Jesus was gone he had risen from the grave and that is one of the truths that we have to hold on to that it is uh, an evidence of the resurrection that the body had risen but yet the physical cloth were still was still lying there in the tomb the third thing that Stott points out to us is that Jesus was seen um, actually in 10 separate appearances Jesus was seen and he points those out um, that, that Mary Magdalene saw him um, to the women returning to the tomb um, Peter and two disciples on the road to Emmaus he appeared to the 10 gathered in the upper room uh, to the 11 including Thomas a week later to more than 500 brothers and sisters at that time and that was probably on the mountainside of Galilee he appeared to James to some of the disciples including Peter Thomas Nathaniel James um, and John by the side of the lake Galilee to many on the Mount of Olives near Bethany at the time of the Ascension. And then Paul adds himself at the end of this, of this list to those who saw the risen Jesus, um, and that's written in 1 Corinthians 15. So you see all these people actually saw Jesus physically after he rose from the dead. So those physical appearances um, are, again, proof that people saw him with their own eyes, that they saw the risen Jesus, um, and that he actually reminds them again in Luke 24. We're not going to turn there today for sake of time, but in Luke 24, 44 through 46, Jesus appears to his disciples, and then he actually points them back to Scripture again. And he says, remember the Scripture. Remember that I, I had to die. I had to be handed over into the hands of authorities. And then raised from the grave he reminds them again and, and just over and over um, the importance of holding scripture um, close to, to memorizing scripture having it in our hearts to where when we do face a challenge when we do hear um, something challenging or hear bad news we're faced with um, a difficult choice to make that we have the words of the Lord in our heart um, over and over again, we see the pointing back to Scripture and the importance to remember the Scriptures, remember the truths. And this is what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples prior to his death of, of hard times are going to come. But remember, I will rise again. The last thing that we are going to look at today is just that um, the disciples were truly, truly changed. Um, you've got. There's numerous examples, um, but you could look through the life of, of Simon Peter. Um, remember, he was he doubted Jesus. Um, he was denying Jesus. He was actually even so afraid during this time that he um, he said he didn't know the Father just because he was challenged by a little slave girl. He was so intimidated, so worried, so fearful that he denied Jesus because of a slave girl. And then you flip over a few more um, pages and you see Peter proclaiming the message of Christ. 
without fear. He, his, his spirit of fear was changed to a passionate courage of just preaching the message of Jesus Christ. And that's not something that just happens without proof that Jesus has risen from the grave. This guy would not um, have, have went from denying uh, that, his, that he knew Jesus, that he had a relationship with Jesus um, because he was challenged by a slave girl to standing among hundreds of people preaching the message of Christ. Another example you see is James, um, his brother, who had um, a spirit of doubt that was transformed into a spirit of faith. So you can see these disciples were truly changed um, because of what happened, because Jesus um, rose from the grave. You know, I I love what... Um, John reminds us of, John Stott reminds us of as he closes out this chapter. Um, and he says this, These are all strands of the evidence for the resurrection. The body had disappeared. The grave clothes remained undisturbed. The Lord was seen and the disciples were changed. There is no adequate explanation of these events other than the great Christian affirmation, The Lord is risen indeed. Let us remember that as we continue to serve the Lord this week, that he is risen. And because he is risen, we have hope and faith that no matter what the circumstances we're facing, that the Lord is in control. If we slow down and remember that he has risen from the grave and dwell on those words as we serve him this week. Well, thanks, Blake. And this week, we are praying for the country of Honduras. We are praying for all of the children in care of the central authority, DINAF, for them to know Christ and to know their value in him. We're praying for the government as many transitions are taking place due to a recent presidential election in Honduras. We are praying that our team will be able to build stronger relationships and uh, with those individuals who work at the central authority of DINAF. We pray that DINAF implements the new adoption law and new policies well and that these adoption laws and policies will benefit the children of Honduras and that they can see the urgency of caring for these children and placing them in permanent loving families. We're, we're praying for the judges who are making the decision to impact adoption and for the rulings that they will choose to do the right thing in a timely manner for these children. We are asking that these children will be reunified with their birth families whenever possible and for them to be properly declared abandoned so that they can be adopted. We're praying for our team on the crown. Carmen and Livio, the attorneys and our representative, were just asking that they would have wisdom and creativity and endurance as they go to the central authority and the courts weekly to advocate for families and children. We're just asking that they would be able to build good relationships with the central authority. And we are asking that the Lord would allow families in process with, with long, hard processes to have peace and patience in their hearts. We are just asking and praising God for the families that are in our process, asking that that they would be able to continue to go forward. And we're thankful for their passion and dedication to the culture and the country of Honduras and pray for their endurance and patience with the program. We pray for specifically for families that are pursuing specific children uh, who they have fostered in the past or have a relationship with already. And we are just praising God for the team in whole that works in Honduras for Josh, for Beth, and for Farah. We're praying that the Lord would give them wisdom and discernment to navigate the program and to support the families and children. 
So Lord, we just ask that you would go before the country of Honduras, especially as they have this change in their government from the presidential election. Would you uh, just use your power to make known the gospel through this government? Would you use churches to influence the government, the, the decision makers who are making decisions for children and on behalf of children? Would you just rise the church in Honduras up to make disciples of all nations and to love children and to love orphans in their distress and so that they would have an opportunity to make known the truth of the gospel and the gospel changes us from inside out. So thank you for our team, for Carmen and for Livio, for Josh, for Beth and for Farah. Give them wisdom and discernment as they continue to go forward. And Lord, we just pray for the central authority and for the courts and for the judges that they would be given wisdom as they have been given the earthly power to make decisions on behalf of children. Lord, we know you love the country of Honduras more than we ever could. And we ask that you would go and make yourself known in powerful ways through the country of, in the country of Honduras and use Lifeline there as you see fit. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.